Welcome to Waterford. This beautiful seaport in Southeast Ireland is the country's oldest city. It's also home to one of its newest, finest distilleries. And at Waterford Distillery, they are bonded by one goal. That's the quest to unearth whiskey's most natural flavors. Hello and welcome to the Distillers Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Distillers Journal. Unashamedly influenced by the world's greatest winemakers, the team at Waterford bring, in their very own words, that same intellectual drive, methodology and rigour to barley, the very source of malt whiskey's complex flavour. In this podcast, we speak to Neil Conway, the head brewer at Waterford Distillery, about the integral importance of terroir to the whisky they produce, and also the challenges of launching the whisky at the start of a pandemic. We also discuss how the team work with more than 100 farms for Irish-grown barley, and how companies such as Waterford Distillery are bringing the art of brewing and distilling back to this city in South East Ireland. Okay, so, so Waterford Distillery is here since 2015-16. This site where the distillery is, is an ex-Diageo Guinness site. So it was a working brewery before Mark Rainier came and over to Ireland and purchased the site. So back in 2015, Diageo in Ireland, beer sales in Ireland were starting to, to starting to deplete, we're on a downward curve. So Diageo decided to amalgamate every all operations in Ireland into the St. James's Gate site in Dublin, which meant that Waterford Brewery um, was closed down, uh, Dundalk Brewery was closed down, and Kilkenny Brewery was closed down. So at the same period, whiskey sales, Irish whiskey was on the upward trajectory. So there was there was a steady pace of new distilleries starting to open in Ireland. Okay, so these three sites then became very, very, I suppose, a lot of eyes from, from the whiskey industry started looking at, at the prospect of converting to distillery. So Teeling's purchased the Dundalk site, so that's now the Great Northern Distillery. Uh, Mark Rainier purchased the Waterford um, site here. So basically, to turn it in from a working brewery to distillery was was it was quite easy just pot stills needed to be installed um a little bit of a software upgrade so from a working brewery in 2014-15 it was an operating distillery then from 2016 under the water for distillery umbrella under the guidance of mark rainier who previously owned the brookladdock distillery up in isla in scotland all right so he came over to ireland to to start up a new venture of irish whiskey and we can talk about that more in, in detail so I suppose, where did I come into the fold then? So I previously, I'm a previous, like yourself, a brewer. Um, so I would have worked for, for Diageo at the Waterford site previously from, I've shown my age now, from 1998 until about 2008. And then I worked for Guinness in, in Dublin, St. James Gate for about four years as a brewer. Um, I left the brewing business altogether then for a period of time, but at that same time, Waterford Distillery was was starting up. And I, I had friends here and I was keeping an eye on what was happening, obviously, I'd, because I, I wanted to make sure that they were successful, see how they were going. And I got a phone call after they were in operation about six or seven months, and I got a phone call asking would I be interested in coming back as a head brewer to, to Waterford Distillery. So 
I was actually working in the dairy industry at that stage on a, on a new a new venture in south of Ireland on a brand new multinational um, complex not too far from here. Um, so basically, it was a job for life, happy enough, but I still had that grow to come back to brewing and distilling. Right, you still have that passion. Um, so it was a little bit for me leaving the business when I did for personal reasons. I left it because um, I suppose bit of security and job security and beer sales in Ireland were going down. It wasn't the industry to be in, so it was a time to leave. But when I got that call, I suppose I, I came to the Waterford Distillery and I spoke to Mark Rainier um, and just listening to his ideas and the journey he wanted to go on and what he thought Irish, how Irish whiskey should be made and this terroir concept of working with farms individually. I suppose listening to him for even 30 minutes said, this is something different. This is something I want to be involved in. It's just something away from the norm. This is not a guy coming over to Ireland to, to make Irish whiskey in bulk and just try and make a quick buck and away he goes. He was going to leave it. He is going to leave a legacy here and I wanted to be part of it. So based on that conversation, I started within two weeks. So I haven't looked back. Waterford Distillery was founded by Mark Rainier who was the ex-head at Brookleddy in Ely, Scotland. In Ireland, Neil feels that Mark had a blank canvas and a fresh start to express his ideas. When Mark came over, when he came over and parts of the site in Ireland, he obviously came over to Ireland with his idea. Uh, and, and it was all started at the Brookladdock Distillery in, in Ireland, where he started to incorporate this idea into, into the site at Brookleddy. And look, some of of the Brookladdock whiskies that are out now are based on Mark's original ideas, like single farms, biodynamic grain. So, but as Mark explains to us, by coming to Ireland, gave him a fresh start. It's like a blank canvas. This is what he wants. He wants to find single farms, terroir driven and starting from scratch. So starting, he's a concept from scratch. And just to explain how difficult it, it, it is to, for that approach, because the industry, whether it's brewing or distilling, distilling, the industry, there's nobody in the industry doing it like we are doing it, because at the end of the day, breweries and distilleries are run by procurement companies, procurement departments who are sourcing grain, the raw material, the most important ingredient to, to, ingredient to make beer or spirits. They're sourcing grain from across Europe, across the world, they're given budgets and they're trying to maintain budgets and whether it's cheaper in Ukraine or France or UK, they're sourcing the best price of barley rather than the best, I won't say the best quality because everybody wants good quality barley and it'd be unfair to say they're not looking at that, but they're looking for good price, which in a sense doesn't mean they're always going to buy Irish grain, grown barley, if you can get it cheaper somewhere else. So to say an Irish whiskey for me, an Irish, if you're calling an Irish whiskey for me as a consumer, as well as somebody who makes it, I think the ingredients should be Irish. It should be hundred percent Irish. Now more distilleries are starting, particularly on single malt are starting to use only Irish grown barley, but for grain whiskies and pot still whiskies, different cereals are, are, are sourced elsewhere outside of Ireland, which is fine. But for me to call it Irish whiskey, I do think that raw material should be hundred percent Irish. And that's just my opinion, but it should be. So for Mark to start this, he he's requested, like this is a guy who came over from Scotland and he landed himself in Ireland. I've bought a, an ex-brewery and I've converted it into the distillery. Now what I want you to do is 
he needed to go out and find growers that would grow single farms for him. He needed to find a merchant that would store the grain in single batches. And he needed to find a maltster that would malt these batches in single batches. Because basically what happens in the industry is the, the farmer grows barley, the barley is sent to the merchant, and then the merchant just sends hundreds of tons of grain into a malt house, same variety, but it could have come from a hundred different farms and it's all mixed together. So you lose the provenance of the barley just after harvest time where all the barley is mixed together. So you don't really know where the batch came from. A farmer might have a contract with Heineken or Irish distillers or Diageo or Waterford. Waterford is different because we know the batch comes from a single farm. But a farmer might have a contract with, with, a, with a certain um, industry, but he could never say or she that my barley went into this pint, this exact pint or this exact bottle. Now, unless you're a craft distillery who's who's growing barley in a farm and, and bringing it through a small pots to this list, but we're doing it on a bigger scale. We're doing it on a, on a level where we're, we, we do a million liters of spirit a year. So it's big quantities. So Mark came over to Ireland, he spoke to the merchant. He said, look, I want to take barley from different farms across Ireland. The reason I want to do it is because I want to understand what the flavor of the barley will bring to the spirit from all these single farms. That the barley grows in different soil, so that's called terroir, the French word. It's taken again from a lot of French wines, use terroir and the concept of the vineyards where the grapes grow, different flavors depending on the slope of the land, the topography, the microclimate. So Mark wanted to bring that concept to growing barley. If, if people understand it for wine, why can't we do it for a different cereal like barley, which is the most common cereal for making any alcoholic um, produce. So it was that concept alone is difficult for people to get their head around, not alone to get the industry to take single farm batches and store it and malt it separately. So the biggest hurdle was to try and get a maltster to do this because malting maltsters take in hundreds of tons of batches tons of grain and malted in one batch and then set, sell it out to the breweries and distilleries where we wanted to do it as a single batch in a small quantity from a single farm. So we take 110 tons of barley from all our single farms. We store it set after harvest, the barley then goes to a merchant. So we have a purpose-built warehouse where 100 ton from the different farms are stored in individual bays. And then when it goes to malting, we take a single bay, it goes to the maltings, and then it gets malted as a single batch and then comes to the distillery. So then we can distill, brew and distill that batch and then store the, the spirit separately and then we transfer that spirit into the four types of wood. We can talk about that later on, okay? So that, that all that, that, the logistics of that had to happen before we could do anything. So we needed to get the growers to supply to us directly, store the barley in, in, in our barley cathedral, and then to malt it in single farm batches before it even came to the distillery. So that all happened in a very short space of time. So Mark would have had the conversations with the guys on the ground. And again, the same similar to the conversation I had when I started here, all these guys said, yeah, there's something in this. Yeah, we're on board with that. We'll do it. We'll do it. Okay. It costs a little bit more to do it because obviously the logistics of storing batches in single bays and malting and on its own and so the logistics and the paperwork behind it is, 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 is quite difficult. So we have to pay a little bit extra for that, but that's fine because we want to see what quality we get from the single farms. In making whiskey at somewhere like Waterford Distillery, 
Neil says that he is learning each and every day. It's brilliant, actually, Tim, and, and I suppose it's given me a new lease of life. As a brewer, you would have been used to just barely coming to site and you, you have your set recipes. And yes, look, making beer is a bit different, but you, you didn't really have any influence or contact with growers on that side of it, the agronomy side. So that side of the, of, of the business now is just completely different for me. And it's just opened up a, a different side to brewing because you know, I now understand how the, the issues the farmer may have on, on during the harvest season. I know I'm starting to learn on every day as a different learn. I still don't know everything about agronomy or farming and the issues they have. And you learn as a brewer, you do know about malting. You understand why, how malting works. But now I get an understanding the difficulties the master has with with all these different single farms and malting organic barley versus conventional and biodynamic. The very same issues I have at the distillery here when we bring all these different batches. It's all barley, but because it's grown in different batches and there's different nuances in, in, in each of the batches and your organic and your heritage varieties. I think we could, I could talk all day about the heritage varieties, but using heritage varieties as a brewer is just so exciting because it's there's nobody else doing it it's i suppose it's very risky because every day we bring in a new batch of heritage it's like oh is this going to mash properly today is it going to mill you can't pick up the phone and ring a master here how, what recipe should I put for this or what temperature should i put this at nobody else is doing it so every day is different here every day if you have a bottle of waterford whiskey you also have a terroir code and when you enter this code you gain absolute uninhibited access to every detail of its individual astonishing journey from barley to bottle. And Neil believes assets such as these help educate the consumer. I would do a lot of whiskey tastings throughout Ireland and Europe. Um, and I suppose a lot of, and we're still trying to educate the whiskey drinker in regards to what we're trying to do here. Like a lot of people still don't understand the whole tower concept. It, some people might think it's a fad or using it for commercial reasons, but it's it's not. It's it's for us. We're just trying to 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 get the consumer to understand that how barley is grown, where it grows, makes a difference to the quality and taste of your spirit at the at the end of the process. So we're trying to educate the consumer, bring them along the journey, and the only way we can do that is is through our website because for the first four or five years we were only produce, laying down stocks of spirit we'd no whiskey out there because obviously we're a new distillery so the first five years we put a lot of time and effort of writing articles making videos and films about organic biodynamic farming how barley is grown malting brewing fermenting just to give the consumer an idea if they're if they're interested in the process side or the agronomy side or the farm side the information is there for them to understand what we're trying to do. While the Waterford Distillery is proudly Irish, Neil is equally proud of the number of countries his whiskies are enjoyed in. I suppose look, we, we launched our whiskey um, actually at the very start of the pandemic, which wasn't ideal. So we were laying down this stock and we were ready to release. There was a lot of excitement at the distillery here and bang, pandemic. So we launched our product at a time that was difficult for global, globally. So wasn't ideal. When things start, so it was slow takeoff. There's a lot of um, sales were, were were online and and 
vice versa. But when we started to stand, send spirit out, out to the market or whiskey out to the market, the bigger, the biggest markets were France, Canada, Germany, a little bit of Asia, but particularly France and Germany, because I think these guys understand terroir more than maybe in the UK or in Ireland. Um, they're used to discussing terroir, they understand it in wine. France, you, you, you don't just have wine, you also have cognac, um, you have your Burgundy regions. People understand the whole model around place, the importance of place when you're making a product. So it, it wasn't by accident that the bigger sales happened in France, Canada as well, because obviously it's the French influence in Canada. Um, they understood understood the whole concept as well. In Ireland, it has been a little bit slower and, and the very same in the UK, but we're still on a journey to try and re-educate people. But we're more than happy. Look, it, it, it is going to be, it's going to take time. Um, we're confident, look, the, the, the whiskey speaks for itself. We know the quality is good, but now it's just to try and educate people and bring them on that journey with us. And looking ahead, the next two years represent the next big chapter in the story of the Waterford Distillery. I suppose what I'm trying to explain here is the journey of Waterford is, and, and it's probably perfect timing because the next two years is the next step of our journey. So when we started selling whiskey, we released a lot of single farm additions. All right. So basically, when we talk about single farms, the reason we bring single farms through the distillery and we, ha we have spurred from all these different farms from around Ireland, we started releasing single farm edition whiskies. All right. So you had, for example, Hook Edition, Hook 1.1. Hook is the name of the farm. So on the bottle, we have the farm name, Hook Head. Within that bottle, you know that the, the spirit came from the barley grown in the Hook field, all right? And we've done that. I think we released nearly nearly 20 single farm editions, okay, to different markets. Then we released an organic single malt whiskey. So we're the first distillery in Ireland to release um, single malt whiskey using organically grown barley. And then we released a biodynamic single malt. We're the first distillery in the world to release a single malt whiskey using biodynamically grown barley, right? So this gives the consumer an idea of what single farm whiskies taste like, all right? So now if you look at this on the whole, then last year we released a peated whiskey, all right? So what we did is we picked a single farm, we sourced the turf in, in Ireland and we produced a single malt peated whiskey from a single farm all right but now look at the single farms look at organic single malt look at biodynamic single malt and look at your peated whiskey and then throw in there the heritage single malts we've released as well over the last two three years these now become ingredients or components so if you're a chef you use different ingredients to pull your put your meal together all right so now we have a suite of single farms we have a suite of different single malt whiskies organic biodynamic heritage and competed so for the next two to three years our focus now is on cuvées cuvée single malt whiskies so a cuvée can be an amalgamation of all those single farms put together in a bottle it can be a cuvée of a couple of single farms adding a little peat to give that smoky feel so now our focus in the next few years is cuvées, cuvées, cuvées. So putting different types of cuvées together. Ned, our head distiller, um, last year put four seasonal cuvées together. So basically he put, say, for example, a winter warmer together. So he used more peated whiskey, a bit more um, first 
first fill US cask bourbon to give it more spicy, mouth warm feel. To Pete gave it a little bit of a punch. And then he did a, let's say, a summer cuvee, which had more of a French influence, more French oak was used, more of that rose color comes from your, when you use French oak. So it's a lighter color, a little bit more flower fruity style of whiskey. So we can do a lot of things now in regards to the way our model is set up with the single farms and the different types of barley when it comes to the cuvee. So that's going to be quite exciting over the next few years as the different types of cuvees we're going to put together. The Distillers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by Tim Sheehan, sound engineering by Ross McPherson, series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris, and special thanks to Neil Conway at Waterford Distillery.